so we're here with uh, Clay McCluggage. Uh, so throughout our time uh, today, since we've got a kind of a smaller live audience, uh, we will just allow you can chime in, ask questions at any point in time, uh, because my son needs a little bit more <laughs> editing, more editing time uh, anyway. So uh, we'll give that to him as well. So. Uh, I'm going to start uh, by introducing Clay. Clay and I uh, got to know each other eight years ago, maybe, 2015-ish, yeah, yeah, when we moved back to Nashville. And um, uh, Clay has fat, fast became one of just my favorite people to be around uh, for lots of reasons. Um, the main reason is, I mean, he's fun to be around. He's a good guy. It's not he's, my personality. He's kind. <laughs> he's, he's kind. Uh, got a great family, all those kind of things. But the man can cook. And that's what I love most about Clay. It's what he can do for me that I love most about Clay. No, I just. Uh, so uh, let's start, uh, Clay, just with a simple question. Uh, when uh, we're obviously looking at different creative spaces, we're going to talk some about cooking, but maybe other, uh, other creative spaces too. Do you see yourself as a creative individual? So glad you asked that, Les. <laughs> I don't at all. The, the idea of this conversation coming up and the idea of creativity and my name being involved with creativity garnered a lot of anxiety for me. Okay. I, I don't that's, consider myself That's creative. exactly what I was after, by the way. This is all going as, as according to plan. You know, if, if we want to talk about food, I'm a cook. I'm not a chef. I'm not creating or making things that are unique, I believe, in really any way. Okay. You know, I'm not doing things that haven't been done before. Okay. Often... I may not have a recipe in front of me, but I've I've read a lot of recipes for whatever it is that I'm making. So it's a usually a comp, but I, that's not creating anything new. So no, I I don't consider myself creative. Interesting, said the man. If, if to our listener uh, who on our counter right now has made a variety of pretty spectacular cannolis, uh, and we have a we have almost a, as close to a resident Italian as we have in the room. And she is going ape over the cannolis right now. So, uh, so tell us, what did you make uh, for us this morning, Clay? What's back there? So, and this goes back to me not being creative. Okay, I didn't, All right. I didn't make you, them. You keep going to you keep going to that. That's interesting. I didn't I didn't make them. I assembled them. Right? <laughs> it's it, a cannoli is a is a is a fried Italian cookie. Okay, which is crispy, mildly sweet, um, that contains a rec sweetened ricotta cream uh, in it that. Sometimes, is, traditionally, probably has pistachios. This has chocolate chips because we're in America. <laughs> but uh, America, do no freaking. Uh, but that's pistachios. what that's, that's what a cannoli is. Okay, uh, to my All best. Right. When uh, when did you first get into cooking? Oh, I would say, man, I remember in middle school coming home and making myself an omelet for a snack. I really? Remember, yeah. I've always, I love food, uh, and, and as far as I can remember, have always loved food yeah. and eating and the experience of it, um, and so it wasn't, wasn't you know, I, there's stories of me as a toddler making myself eggs in the microwave and my mom having to put up gates to keep me out of the kitchen. Seriously. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Right, we, have, we have in the room uh, Clay's sister, Amy, by the way, in case for our listener. So, so to our listener, uh, his sister's in the room and said there are, um, at five, six, seven years old, Clay was making Clay's favorite meatloaf. Could you tell us, tell us about Clay's favorite meatloaf? 
And it's interesting I, I, that you cook something that you also say is your favorite. It's Clay's favorite meatloaf, and I'm making famous it. meatloaf. And and the only thing I really remember about that, I'm sure it was just my mom made the meatloaf. But the, what I remember is putting a a C with ketchup on the top of it. Which I put my mark on it. And that's what made it mine. You topped it with ketchup. <laughs> you topped it with ketchup to the degree that it could also be its own body of water. Yeah. A C of ketchup. Uh, that's good. No, the letter C for Clay. Oh. <laughs> a C. I thought you said a C of ketchup no. like it was swimming in ketchup. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have a, This is going to be a long talk. Oh, jeez. We, we only got started. We're going to have to. Hang on. Yeah. Let, me, let me take a sip of, sip of tea here. I was hoping you'd be giving me energy for this. <laughs> All right. So just tell us a little bit about, uh, just a little bit about you growing up and what I like to say is some, some inflection points. What are some points of your life that were very uh, meaningful or impactful people that were impactful just so our listener and a lot of us know you in the room but just just things that really come to mind that were impactful moments along the way of your life journey I, I think I don't know it's hard not to discuss what hasn't shaped me as a person without discussing my father having died when I was 11 mm-hmm. it's specific around food I would say you know that meant my mom was serving us and, and trying to get dinner on the table and working and we ate out a lot and you know that that drew me towards food and cooking and providing and that makes sense. I think that's probably the most specific inflection point to, to yeah. the discussion relevant yeah. today yeah that's good yeah. Um, what do you love to, what what do you love to cook most and we keep saying cooking I, I would I would classify you as a chef I, personally I, but you know that question I have a hard time with that question because you ask that to the audience and everybody has one thing or a group of things or, you know. Not, not I, I, I don't. To our I listener, not Rebecca. She does not like to yeah. cook. She knows what we heard. <laughs> Which Rebecca? Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't have any one thing that I love. It's whatever I'm into at that moment. You okay. know, I've, I've had, I love barbecue and smoking meats. I, you know, I went through a period where I was cooking a lot of Cajun food. I love you know, making Vietnamese pho. I, I love, um, you know, making North African Harira stew. I, I, you name it, whatever I'm into at that moment is my favorite. Those are actual and words. I, I love pho all of and Harira. These are these are these are words that exist in yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so I want to talk. I want to talk about that because I've been around you. So to our listener, to our audience as well, I um. Uh, I have had the opportunity to go on a annual guys ski trip uh, and every year Clay is our in-house chef and he will I don't know if he I know he enjoys the cooking I don't know if he enjoys the process of planning everything he may enjoy that more than the actual cooking maybe even more than the actual eating as well Um, and honestly I don't know that he really cares if we enjoy it or not he, there is something, the Excel, yeah, you can speak to that if you want to. Uh, the Excel spreadsheet that Clay puts together for these trips and what he's going to get and all those things is, is unreal. So, and I ask that, Clay, because a lot of times people say, well, I love to cook. What do you love to cook? And they'll immediately tell you, and it's something they love to eat. But to your point a second ago, there's something about the process that you love. And my imagination is it's not the same thing every week. Uh, where you know probably many who are listening some in our audience who we know have the same thing every single week uh, right uh, on the on tap 
So what do you think it is about the cooking or the process or whatever? Because you obviously navigate from one thing to another and you can cook a lot of different foods. You, you really can do that. What is it about the process that you love? I do love the process and I love the organization of it. And I, it goes back to what we discussed. I don't consider myself creative because it is just, a, it's, it's a, uh, food and the ingredients are what I enjoy. I enjoy learning about it. I'll sooner read a recipe than I will a novel mm-hmm. um, or a cookbook rather than a novel. And, and so I do love that. And I love putting ingredients and grouping them together to make what is the whole better than the parts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love planning, and but but I do get something out of people enjoying what I put in front of them. Okay, all right. right. There 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 is something very special to me about that. It's mm-hmm. it's how I express my love. You yeah. know, is through the food. Yeah. Uh, and there are people. And that, I love you because of it. Oh. <laughs> so there and there are people like my wife. Oddly enough, if if man, that we are the opposite track defi- defined. Um, she eats the same lunch and has for the past eight years every day the exact same thing what is it and she can do that she has i don't even know that i call it a salad it's a bowl of (laughs) it's a bowl of greens usually with some sort of nut uh and then craisins probably and then salsa as the dressing and then she will have a veggie burger that is thawed no bun just eats that cold uh usually a thing of popcorn plain maybe salted and then a s- apple slices and that's what she has every day that would drive you nuts I can't do that <laughs> I cannot do that but she doesn't she doesn't necessarily get anything off of yeah even often what I put in front of her to eat yeah uh, but I still enjoy it yeah. and and I hope she understands that there you go. that's my love there you go know. but um, it's eating to live versus living yeah there's, there's there, a clear group population that's right that's right eating to live rather than living to eat that's good how many of us uh just in our audience how many of you live to eat you would say i live to eat how many of you are more trying to be along the lines of eat to live how many of you are wicked confused by my question yeah that was where most of the hands that got raised uh, as well uh all right so again any questions from our audience yet Feel free to think of something if you want to. You can chime in at any time uh, as well. Yeah, go ahead, Rebecca. Clay, do you ever change up ingredients just to see what would happen? Okay. Often. So uh, let me repeat the question for our podcast uh, real quick. So the question uh, was raised, do you ever change up anything uh, as you're cooking or anything like that? Yeah, I think you can. Yes, I do. Often. Uh, And like I said, I, I don't usually go off one single recipe I will if I want to if there's a dish I want to make I'll look at five or six or seven different recipes and there's usually variations in those whether it's in technique or ingredient and I will typically pick what I think will be best in that and yet that, that seems it seems well, or it's an application of my knowledge of the ingredients and 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 the process of putting them together so so I knew this would come up and Rebecca I appreciate the question so, and to our listener as well, I think we're beginning to learn throughout this podcast, throughout this conversation, that creativity takes many, many different uh, spaces or many different ways and can play itself out in many different ways. If you're just following rote recipe, one thing to another, that's one thing. 
But there is some creativity when you're blending multiple recipes together, trying out new things, because you certainly try new things, right? Try out what this sure. is gonna look like, what this yeah. is gonna look like. All right, tell me about the energy that's inside of you when you go through a spice shop. And, and to our <laughs> listener, as, as he, uh, there is a place in Colorado that Clay and I go on our uh, annual ski trip, and there's a spice shop in Colorado that we typically stop at when we're also stopping for lunch. Clay, will, if we allowed him, most of us want to get to the slopes at some point, but if we would allow him, he would spend hours in that spice shop going through, and the spices are endless, and they all look exactly the same to me, uh, but he will spend hours in the spice shop. What is it about looking through a spice shop or going through a spice shop that's entertaining to you? Spices, flavors, they, they take you, they take me to somewhere else. Okay. Right? You can you can smell something or taste something and it'll either take you back to a memory or a time that you were at or it potentially can transport you from if it's a you know if it's a I'll go back to North African spice blend that you know that it could potentially for me in my mind it takes me to that place that locale yeah. and and so I appreciate that um, that's what I like about spice and there's something that you, you also enjoy the authenticity of a dish, mm -hmm. correct? I do. Can you speak to that at all? Yeah, I mean, it, we talk about being, so and that, again, it, this goes back to creativity or non-creative. I think, you know, there is intention behind dishes and locales that those dishes come from and the places that those dishes were developed based off of whatever ingredients were available in that place in that time for those people, for those chefs that created those recipes. And I think there is, those were put together intentionally to taste in a very specific way. And I, I want, like if I'm utilizing that dish, that flavor, that smell to take me there, I want to be there. Yeah. And I want to be able to imagine what their intention was behind that. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, so I guess that's, that answers that. So it's, in, it's interesting to me, I would, I would, argue that when you cook and you cook for others you're not just cooking for people to enjoy and fellowship which is also important but you truly are trying to make an experience out of it right I mean it's yeah. food is an experience to be I, had correct I agree yeah yeah that's 100 percent. if I can use that term you can use that term yes <laughs> we try not we try to just stay away from cuss words hundo, that's hundo, other than that P? you can say is it yeah. hundo P? Hundo P. You're hundo so P. cool, Clay. I know, I know. <laughs> You're the coolest cook I know. You can't see me on this podcast, but I am cool. <laughs> uh, all right, any other questions? Yeah, go ahead, Dwayne. Have you been to one of the, uh, I don't know what they what the cool name for it, but like the blind restaurants where, the, uh -oh. where you, you eat in the dark? <laughs> no, no, but I, I would like to. I know. that's Again, that is an experience, and I think probably is very different when you can't see what you're putting in your mouth. Uh, and there's a trust there too, you know, part of that experience. So. so Clay, you do know, you know a lot about foods and lots of different foods, but you know that because growing up, it's been a hobby of yours. You, you're not trained, right? You've never been to uh, whatever, culinary school. I don't know why I couldn't come up with that word. It's a C, I wrote it in ketchup one time. Uh, <laughs> A cul you never been to culinary school or anything. Did you learn like how to drive a boat there? <laughs> yeah. That's, a sea. That's right. Yeah, we'd go go surfing in the in the in the ketchup. Yeah. Uh, cool and funny. <laughs> uh, so 
Well, G whiz, now I've lost my complete train of thought. <laughs> Blast you, play, catch up with the C. Uh, no, what I was getting after was, so this is a hobby for you. Tell us what you are trained in, and what I'm, just so our listener knows, I'm going to pivot a little bit, because in, in what, what Clay grew up, learned, uh, his working life, his career is pivoting right now, right? You're it in is. a bit of a transition where your hobby is a little bit starting to become your career in some ways. And so just tell us first a little bit about your career, you know, what you studied, all that kind of stuff. You, did you find enjoyment in it? Did you not? All that kind of stuff. So my degree from Lipscomb was business with a concentration on human resource management. Modern psychology, I really enjoyed psychology, but I, I, I'm not an academic in any way, shape, or form. So in no way was I going to do something that required further schooling to, to yeah. be successful. Um, I don't know that I, you know, I ever followed up on human resource management, but I did manage people. Creatives don't um, like school, right. so you're no, right in that That's boat. right, that's right. <laughs> um, so I worked, uh, you know, my last 10 years I spent as an operations manager, uh, corporate operations manager and branch manager for construction supply. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of, um, you know, Inventory management, warehouse management, but more specifically, people management. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, balancing sales with operations and being a liaison between the two, and um, so that's what I've I've spent the bulk of my last ten years doing. Um, so very process driven, okay. very uh, metric oriented, uh, but also balancing the very soft, you know, the people management and soft skills of 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 that of personalities. So um, let me pause right there. You manage, from my knowledge of what you did, you manage a, a good bit of infrastructure, mm-hmm. meaning people, uh, resources, uh, you know, supplies, trucks, all these kind of things. Okay. You managed a lot of that. And there's a lot that comes with that, right? Uh, a lot that comes with all managing all that infrastructure. So during your career, was, was cooking not only something you enjoyed as a hobby, was it also an outlet from, from any pressures of that or anything? Absolutely. You know, I, I could come home and unwind by chopping vegetables. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, that's very much an outlet for me. Yeah. Um, Spinny, so to our audience real quick, how many of y'all would say that cooking is not an outlet? It is a task, is a checkbox to be done, okay? How many of y'all would say it is a bit of an outlet? It is a bit of a wind down and that kind of thing. And, and so, go ahead. Okay. Or okay. On, um, How much else is going on? Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and Clay, for you, the vast majority of the time, you could spend hours in the kitchen and at the end of it feel relaxed and rejuvenated um, in some ways. With correct? the great frustrations of my wife, I would spend hours in the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll be happy to marry you. I'll be more than happy for you to spend time in the kitchen. But it's I becoming s- a very different yeah. conversation. Yeah, it is. Different. That's right. That's right. That's our podcast <clears throat> next semester. Uh, uh, I so uh, in, during that during that time, looking out at everything, what are what are your some of your favorite things to cook that really bring you energy that. Man, I, I love going through the process of this particular meal or whatever. Again, I don't love that question uh, <laughs> because I don't have a favorite. Yeah. It, it is really whatever I'm doing at that moment. Yeah. I, I would say at this moment, what I'm focused mostly on is will probably lead into 
you know, developing my business and what a, you know the what I'm appreciating and enjoying about cheesesteaks yeah and sandwiches uh, but I'm also very much focused on barbecue and, yeah. and, and smoking meats and um, that's another thing I'm really enjoying right you got now. a competition coming up got a competition coming up yeah. we have a competition coming I'm, up. I'm be your Sue I'll be your Sue <laughs> uh, your Sue Sue yeah Sue creative cook yeah <laughs> So. Uh, okay, what is the worst thing you've ever made? Ooh. That was really, you were like, this is bad. That, I did not do this. This, this. this did not turn out the way you, you're, you're a very I, harsh I, critic on yourself. I do yeah, I, and there's, I also have a short memory. I, th- there's uh, there's a, probably a lot of things that have just been bad and not worked out, but I, none of them come to mind. Okay, okay, yeah. that's well, well said for sure. Uh, all right, so let's, pivot a little bit so you were in this career uh, you had this career cooking was a bit of an outlet for you during that time a hobby a rejuvenation a wind down all those kind of things and so when you made this pivot in your career this year we'll time step time stamp the podcast real quick uh, earlier in 2023 uh, you you kind of started thinking okay maybe I can take this hobby this rejuvenation this thing I love to do and make a bit of a career out of it uh, now. And so tell us a little bit about just that thought process and then as you want to guide us into what you're gonna be doing. Yeah, so the idea of transitioning to being a professional cook or going into the industry of the food industry is something that's always been kind of in the back of my mind. I've always, you know, it's obviously something I love and I'm passionate about and being able to marry that to something that I can also maybe make some money at um, it has always appealed to me but there's a lot of unknowns there yeah um, you know there, there's also the fear that turning in something that I am passionate about and I do enjoy into a profession might ruin a little bit of that passion and yeah. joy yeah um, but yes it, the, the idea of a transition professionally was apparent and, and imminent um, and we were fortunate enough to um, for me to be able to step into something that um, is that is moving my passion into a profession um, and I'm fortunate to be able to do it in a way that also you know the goal is also to provide some balance with family and work and um, and and provide some stability at home with presence so the goal of the business is not to spend 60 hours a week in a truck or out and about or professionally but to, to be able to control and be my own boss and control uh, the time that I put into it, mm-hmm. which hopefully will also balance that ability to do what I love professionally and still love it. Yeah. So let me just pause here for a minute. I think we've got probably some in our audience who definitely will have some of our listeners as well that always in the back of my, their mind are thinking, can I turn this thing I love into something I get to do all the time? And I'm sure we've all had that conversation and everything. So just a quick pause to say, kudos for going after it to you and Lauren your wife and the kids and everything to say let's let's give this thing a shot right um, and so that's real that's really really cool and it's been so much fun as a good friend of yours I would hope you would think that of me to, to watch you do that as well so uh, so tell us what what did you decide to do with this hobby and this love for cooking that also potentially had some of these other drivers of flexibility of time and these kind of things as well what did you decide to do and why yeah so it was it was it was a process going back to be not creative right it, i've got to i've got to keep saying i've got to work through 
a process. And initially I was looking at, um, you know, buying into or, or franchising an existing business that was very much a, a heat and serve uh, kind of format, um, decided against that. It, food wasn't great, quite honestly, and it was just not wh- where I wanted to go. And then I started talking through the p- potential of buying an existing business that, you know, and I st- that got me down a road. It was a very regional specific uh, Chicago hot dogs and Italian beef uh, trailer that has had some success and it, so it's regionally specific but it started me down the path of thinking regionally and what I do appreciate about food and transporting you to that place and you know when you're in Chicago you get a hot dog or an Italian beef when you're in Cincinnati you eat chili when you're in Cleveland you have you know Eastern European pierogies and paprikash you know but so there is that, and, and so as I went through that process with that regionally specific food, obviously I started thinking about, well, what would I do if I were creating my own concept? Um, I didn't have any personal ties to a lot of places, Kansas City I grew up in, but I didn't want to do barbecue because that takes way too much time outside yeah. of the truck to yeah. prepare and serve that, again, my wife would not appreciate that. <laughs> and the goal of this business was to provide some control and stability of my time outside the home. Um, I did live in Philadelphia for three years, and I did love that culture and the food that's there. So I landed on cheesesteaks and Philadelphia-style roast pork sandwiches. Um, So that is what I landed on uh, as a concept that I was going to move forward with for my truck. So Philly South Steaks is is the name of my business that I'm I'm working on putting on the road. Philly South Steaks. All right, so... I am just beside myself with excitement uh, for lots of different reasons for that. So what, where are you in the process? When, when could we start really getting excited about Philly South? Philly South Steaks, correct? Philly South? Steaks. Philly South Steaks. Philly yeah. South so, Steaks. Uh, the, the, the driving force behind that name, you know, the cheesesteaks were developed in South Philly. Um, and so I'm bringing a piece of Philly South yeah, um, and stakes is there because the the website domain Philly South was taken, so Philly South Stakes. <laughs> Philly worked. South Stakes came up. That's one way to you gotta gotta land on it. Uh, do your do your Google yeah, due diligence. That's right. So uh, the business is imminent now. It's happening. Yeah. Uh, which man, I'm, I'm glad there's some excitement that you guys feel about it, but there's a lot of. Uh, anxiety that I'm feeling about what what it's going to look like yeah. to actually function with this business. But I'm about a month away. I should have the trailer, um, which is which is probably overbuilt that that I should have in about a month. Okay. Uh, and then after that, this year the goal is to just have a few a handful, five, six events um, to learn from. Yeah. And and so that I can ideally spin out in the spring. Yeah. With with a, a fully formed product. Yeah. And presentation. Awesome. That's exciting. Super exciting. So 2024, you can get very excited about seeing the Philly South Stakes trailer uh, rolling in and, in and around Nashville as well. Uh, tell us about some of the research you did to determine, this is what was fascinating to me. So hopefully you heard as we were talking through, my hope is that what you've heard is Clay's passion and what we would call, those who know us, uh, those who know Clay would say uh, creative for sure. Uh, what we would um, that Clay loves the the process he loves all of those things related to uh, getting something started uh, as well the uh, 
Uh, I lost my train of thought again. I'm struggling this morning. Are you uh, talking about my trip to Philly? Yes. So how did you? Yeah. How did you? That's exactly what I was getting after. Yeah. Thank you for thank you for pulling something uh-huh. out of that huge word salad ma- ma- massacre that I just uh, had. No, it's just like smartless. The process. <laughs> the process that you uh, the process that you went through to determine exactly what what Philly cheesesteak yours was going to look like, what ingredients were going to go into it, because it's not just you know, go to Publix and get some stuff or whatever. How, what's the process that you went through to determine yeah. what, what and how you're going to serve? So the first first thing I wanted to do was to be authentic. Um, I, I wanted to, to bring an experience or a style that is, that is specific to Philadelphia here to Nashville. Um, so I took a trip to Philly and I, you know, I lived there for three years. I ate a fair amount of cheesesteaks when I was there. Um, there's been developments in what a cheesesteak is and looks like since then. Uh, so I got to, I, I went to Philly with the, uh, I don't know if I need to give you the kind of the sales pitch that I gave to my wife to justify a trip to I, oh, Philadelphia. One, one hundo. Alone. I want yeah. to hear the, uh, uh, oh, so it was, sales pitch. it was research. Uh, spent a lot of time really digging in and taking notes at Philly cheesesteak stands. Yeah. Um, but you know, th- th- there are, there is variation on that theme, even in Philadelphia. Uh, of what a cheesesteak is. You can go to where it was originated and, and you know, it's Pat's and Gino's in South Philly from 1930 and you're going to get sliced steak uh, which remains in that form on a bun, probably with cheese whiz is what you're going to find there yeah. that's swiped on the side of the bun. Uh, but what has gained more in popularity and authenticity now is some very specific things that are in the Northeast that I'm having a hard time sourcing here. The type of cheese is Cooper Sharp. It's a sharp white American, uh, which has a certain melt and flavor to it that just almost somebody, the first day I was there, I was in line at, uh, or online if you're in Philadelphia, uh, at John's Roast Pork um, and, and talking to a guy there from, and he's, we were talking about cheesesteaks, of course, because this trip was about research. <laughs> Lauren, research. <laughs> and, and so we, we started talking about Cooper Sharp and how that's become popular in the last eight or nine years there. Uh, and he says, you know, it melts into the meat and almost is like a sauce in and of itself. And, uh, it, and so that's what it is. That's the goal, that authenticity. And that's not something you find here. In fact, I can't even, I'm having to ship in that type of cheese, uh, which is so commonly found in every grocery store deli counter there. You can't mm-hmm. find here. There's, you know, produce-wise, there's the long hot Italian long hot pepper. For the life of me, can't find it here for regularity, but is on every grocery store shelf and in every cheesesteak shop in the Northeast. Mm. Uh, but it's a mildly hot pepper that cuts through that cheese and just really makes the sandwich. Yeah. Um, you know, so that authenticity is what I was looking for there. And I ate a lot of cheesesteak and uh, tried to run every morning. <laughs> I uh, didn't get the fries, just the yeah. cheesesteak, and, and and I got a cannoli. There is a different <laughs> there. There is an energy that comes out in you when you start talking about this, and and I think every once in a while you'll try to hold yourself back because you're like, no one cares as much about this as I do. <laughs> but it and and you, and that's correct, right? <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> if I'm being honest, that's correct. Hanopi. However, it's fun to just hear people talk about things they love. Right. It is it, there. There's something about it as well. Um, all right. So tell us just a little bit about what what's going to be served. Of course, a Philly cheesesteak. Anything else that's going to be served out of the out of the Philly 
Philly South Steaks Chuck. Yeah, it's a pretty simple menu. Uh, but yeah, cheesesteaks, you'll have some options with that, whether you want with or without onion, they call them fried onions. Um, whether you want what type of cheese, whether it's Cheese Whiz or Provolone or Cooper Sharp or White American, uh, if I can find all of those. Um, and then the chicken variety, so chicken cheesesteaks. Mm -hmm. I still call them a steak, which is interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Uh, and then there's a, a sandwich there that I'm probably most excited about, which is a, a roast pork sandwich, which is traditionally a sliced pork, a roasted and sliced pork. Um, but I'm going to do a, a version of it that's pulled pork. Uh, it's, a, it's a really flavorful Italian, almost porchetta seasoned pork. Uh, so it's the fennel and the... A lot of garlic and rosemary and parsley and maybe some lemon in it uh, that's roasted and pulled, put on a sandwich over sharp provolone, which is also a unique cheese to this part of the country. And then broccoli rob finishes that, or spinach, depending on where you go, which is sauteed and is kind of a green on the top of that. Bro really in pretty intense flavor. Go ahead. Broccoli Rob? Broccoli Rob. What is that? Because uh, I know yeah, Broccoli yeah. Rob from the character so, on The Office. Yeah, it's also called <laughs> It's also called Rapini, uh, but it's 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 actually, it, it's more of a green than it is what we think of the, the broccoli. Um, and it, but it, its flavor is intense and anise which is black licorice <laughs> which seems really odd. Yeah. Um, but it, it, and all of these things, the sharp provolone and the pork and the broccoli rob are all very intense on their own, Yeah. but they work together really well to, to the, I, I'm hopeful that it'll play here. Yeah. Um, you know, my measure of that is my wife saying, I really was not looking forward to this, but it tastes it's pretty good. good. So, <laughs> you know, so, and she... <laughs> Yeah, that's, right. that's the that's the that's the tagline for uh, Philly Philly South Steaks. Yeah. My wife said I really was not looking forward to this, but it's pretty good. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, uh, all right, so we only have a, a few minutes left, and so Thank goodness, <laughs> you're very kind to do this. I know this is out of your uh, wheelhouse a little bit, or, or desire of things to do. We are very excited about Philly. Uh, South Steaks for sure. Um, and we do, everyone in here would say, and I think the listener after hearing you as well would say, you you do have a large element of creativity to you. And it is, <clears throat> sure, it's a, a bit process oriented because uh, that's the way your mind works, but definitely there's creativity there. In the last five minutes on all of our, uh, with all of our guests, what we love to do, this space that you play in of cooking uh, and now there's some creativity related to the food truck that you're gonna have now too and those kind of things. What does that creative space, that sandbox of cooking, have you learned more about yourself? Have you learned more about others? Have you learned more about God uh, re relationship-wise? More about your relationship with self, relationship with others, or relationship with God through cooking? And the answer may be no. You're trying to make some connection that doesn't exist, Wes. But what, 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 how would you say, in any way, shape, or form, has cooking helped you understand self, understand others, understand God more? Uh, I, I think food, I, I think God is a foodie. <laughs> that uh, needs to be on the truck, too. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, it's, it's a definite theme through a lot of stories in the Bible, whether it's the creation talking about, you know, creating 
fruiting veg, you know, seeded plants to grow fruit and vegetables to creating the creatures in the sea and then creating us and going back to whether you live to eat or eat to live, we all eat to live, right? God created us with the, there's a, only a few things that we have to have to survive and that's air, water, and food, right? And probably a few other things that are less important than those things. But uh, so, yeah, and you look at what God created and provided for us to put together on a plate and eat and it's amazing, yeah. you know. So I, God is in food, and He is in what food does for me specifically, and how I express my love through it. But it, in in what it does for people, and how people gather around the table and and build relationships, God is in that. Um, so <clears throat> yeah, God is a foodie. Yeah, I love that. Um, all right. Any other questions from our audience uh, for Clay about anything, Amy? What sides and desserts will be on your food? All right. So to the listener, let me repeat the question real quick. Uh, for the listener, what sides and desserts? Because you, you, you told us with immense detail the the, the 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 steaks, the Philly steaks that will be involved. What sides and desserts? Yeah. Pretty simple. Uh, I will have fries. I will have a bag of chips. I'll have a pretzel. Uh, also in Philadelphia, you find Philadelphia soft pretzels, uh, almost in stores like Dunkin' Donuts, and you know on every coffee table in most corporations, you're going to find a box of pretzels, soft pretzels. Um, so I will have a pretzel to keep with that theme. Uh, I'll have a hot dog. Uh, desserts are going to be cannoli. Again, Philly cheesesteak came from South Philly, which is heavily Italian. The Italian market is there. Uh, so a lot of Italian leaning, so it can only make sense. Uh, and other than that, I might have a prepackaged cookie. Uh, but <laughs> the one he said the, with great disdain. The one that I the one that I found is made and packaged in Reading, Pennsylvania. So it's about 40 minutes north of Philadelphia. So it also I'm trying to keep pretty authentic to that area and that region. Um, I think that covers it. That's good. Any other questions? I will say to our listener, to our audience as well, the sandwich that um, his wife so lovingly said she was not looking forward to is very different. I think I had one at the Reading Terminal Market. Can you get one yeah. there? Yeah, Tom, Tommy DeNix, yep. one of the best known, is yep. there. And they use the broccoli rock. And I was told to go get one when I was in Philly recently, and they described what it was, and I had the exact same reaction. That sounds just horrible and it is so unique and different. Uh, so I think it'll play well uh, down here because it is something that you can't get unless mm -hmm. you really travel somewhere else uh, at this point too. True. Um, all right, uh, it's Clay, anything else you'd like to say? We'll end uh, just a prayer over you and, uh, and, and, and thank you for being here. But anything else you want to say to our audience or to our listener? This has been so much fun, thank you. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Clay loves to be behind the scenes uh, most of the time, for sure, and he plays that very, very well. He's done uh, me a solid uh, to come and do this as well, but it's been very interesting, yeah. It's been really, really fun and enjoyable. So uh, let's have a quick prayer over Clay, and then we will end for uh, this particular podcast. 
Lord God, thank you so much for my good friend uh, Clay. Uh, thank you for uh, just the amazing uh, heart that he has for others, um, his awesome family, uh, Lauren and Helen and David. God, uh, right now our prayer is that you give him a peace that passes all earthly understanding. And as he enters into this uh, transitional time, and as in his words, uh, this food truck is imminent, the business is imminent at this point, uh, I pray that you afford him and Lauren and all those around them to balance the level of reservations or anxiety that come with uh, any new venture um, and balance that with just great enthusiasm uh, for the opportunity ahead as well. Um, may, you, uh, may you continue uh, to bless Clay by this hobby that transitions now into somewhat of a career that he still finds enjoyment and rejuvenation uh, each and every day. Uh, thank you so much for all he means to so many. We pray all these things because of Jesus. Amen.